Hey fam, welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. Of course, I am your host, Dylan Bowman, broadcasting from Annecy, France at the moment, the home country of our guest today, Mr. Mathieu Blanchard, the Frenchman who lives in Montreal and who has finished on the podium of the past two editions of the UTMB. Of course, this year, Matt engaged in a fantastic battle with Killian Jornet as they pushed each other to two of the best 100-mile performances of all time. By the time he arrived back in Chamonix, Mathieu secured an incredible second place, only four minutes behind Killian and under 20 hours, an absolutely amazing race that will go down down in history. Of course, we talk all about Matt's two podium finishes at UTMB, including the full story of his back and forth battle with Killian. We talk about his diverse athletic background and how it's helped him as a trail runner. We talk about his experience with diving, which I found particularly interesting. We talked about his unique approach to training, his 2022 season, and a lot more. Hope you all enjoy this awesome conversation. Of course, the Free Trail Podcast is presented by Speedland, the boutique footwear brand who I am so proud to represent. Don't look now, but your boy is returning to the race course this weekend with the final prototype of the forthcoming third model of the Speedland footwear collection, my favorite shoe ever made and something that you'll be able to pre-order soon. I'm not particularly fit at the moment, but I'm super excited to get back to racing. And I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to work so closely with Dave and Kevin on this product. It is simply something that I couldn't have done with any other brand. And it's been massively fun and educational. For now, go get yourself one of the final pairs of the SLHSV made for Speedland athlete Liz Canty and inspired by the trails of the Southeast United States. The slick black shoes are available now at runspeedland.com. Check it out, grab a pair, sign up for the newsletter while you're there so you don't miss out on updates as soon as they drop on this new shoe. Finally, if you enjoy the podcast, you should join Free Trail Pro, the global online community of passionate trail runners. Jump in the private Slack channel, listen to the members only rest day podcast, come to our community office hours, Zoom call. In fact, actually this week on Friday, we're having our first women's only office hours led by Corinne Shalvoy and Katie Asmith. I think they're calling it Free Trail Femmes, which I love. It's so cool for me to see these little subgroups grow organically within Free Trail. And I'm grateful to Corinne and Katie for their leadership within the Free Trail community. Come be part of it. Visit freetrail.com. Click the button that says join Free Trail Pro. There's also a link here in the show notes. Okay. Hope you enjoy amazing insights from Matthew Blanchard. We'll see you in the outro. That's you, Blanchard. Welcome to the Free Trail Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Dylan. And you are back in Montreal. How have the past uh, three weeks been since your podium performance at UTMB, your second podium performance at UTMB? I didn't run that much for three weeks. I drank lots of beer with my friend Marianne, and uh, we spent a good time in the in the forest, and uh, we just... We don't. We didn't run that much, actually. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Physically, are you feeling like you're recovering? Okay. Yeah. After? Physically, I feel very good as usual after after this kind of races. Maybe two or three weeks after the race, 
I feel very good physically and, and I'm able to run again. But this year, <laughs> I'm not very uh, rested mentally. And uh, this is the first year that I don't have another race uh, in the fall and winter. So without uh, target and without goal, I really don't want to to train hard now. So physically, I'm good, but non- mentally, I still need a rest to 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 be back on the on the on the trail. Yeah, I imagine it's difficult after running one of the best hundred mile performances in the sports history that I can remember. Certainly, one of the best performances in UTMB history. That there's maybe some temptation to keep that momentum going. Have you felt any of that pressure since you finished UTMB? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I received um, so many propositions to run other races uh, this fall. And you know what? At the beginning, before UTMB, I planned to run uh, Diagonal de Fou in Réunion Island. I booked my plane for, for, for the whole months in August from 1st of October to the end. And uh, yeah, I fin- finally decided to to keep this momentum and to continue to understand what happened at UTMB and what I can do with this, with my partner and everything. And um, yeah, I thought it was a better idea to don't run Diagonal de Fou this year, even if physically I feel good, because I still need to understand it to to keep this momentum and maybe I should keep uh, Diagonal de Fou for another year, but I will go there and I will uh, see what is the race, uh, what is the ambience and what is the trail maybe for another year. So you'll still travel to Reunion Island, but you won't yeah. walk around the Grand Red. Yeah, wow. for sure. I just uh, I just uh, transfer my uh, my registration to the Zambrocal, uh, which is a relay a relay uh, on the Diagonal de Fou Trail with uh, four friends, and we will run maybe three thirty to forty k. So it's easier oh, and it's not a performance uh, target. So good. Well, we don't need to talk about it, but I went and did the Grand Raid last year and it's such a fantastic event. And I think you're wise to go and feel it out one time before you go and actually do the full Grand Raid. I wish that's how I would have approached it. But anyway, I got to finish. And now next time that I go over, I'll be well educated as to how to perform better there. But Going back in time, I know you're French born, but you've lived in Montreal for a while. Do you still live in Montreal full time or have you moved back over to mainland France? Yeah, I still live in Montreal, but now I think I live between France and Canada. Uh, it's a long story, but uh, but uh, yeah, in 2000, uh, 2019, uh, I made a hard decision in my life, a hard choice. I, I was uh, 30 years old. And I decided to stop my engineering career uh, because it was very uh, stress- stressful uh, job. And uh, um, and uh, you know the the calendar and the, the organization of this job from Monday to Friday from nine to five was not the best for me if I wanted to improve my level. So since 2019, I moved uh, uh, from France to Canada, and I try to spend more time around the races. So. It's difficult when people ask me, where do you live, Matt? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, it's de- de- it depends my uh, my uh, my calendar, my races, and where I want to train for, for a special uh, goal. So as I was just saying to you, of course, we have listeners all over the world, but the majority of our audience is American-based, North American-based. And I'd love to do a little bit more of a deeper dive to understand a little bit more about you, of course, you have been a strong contender on the circuit for 
you know, at least five, eight years now, but in the last two or three, you've taken a level up. And I think for that reason, your name is new to a lot of people, especially probably new to a lot of people who are listening to the podcast. So maybe uh, you just give us a brief description of how you ended up where you are, you know, having grown up in France, what your, what your history is with sport and how you ended up falling into trail running. Yeah. My, um, my adventure in endurance sports is actually quite recent. <laughs> I put on my first running shoes back in 2014 when I 14 when I moved to Canada. I was uh, 26 years old, so pretty old to start running. <laughs> uh, before uh, I grew up and lived uh, in the south of France, and uh, in my uh, childhood, I was more attracted by uh, extreme sports like uh, skateboard, uh, snowboard, BMX, and mountain bike. And uh, my parents loved scuba diving and I spent a lot of time in the ocean and in front of the ocean. And I became uh, a scuba diving instructor around uh, 20 years old. And uh, being close to the sea, I also practiced a lot of sailing sports like kitesurfing. And I continue to do it because I love it. I studied uh, engineering in uh, Grenoble. Grenoble, it's a city in the middle of the Alps. And there I practiced a lot of snowboarding for sure. And during uh, my studies and maybe my beginning as an engineer, uh, I really liked to party a lot with my friends. And I think I was a bit extreme in these parties. <laughs> and uh, I think that that's also why um, I started running actually when I moved to Canada. I felt so unhealthy uh and um i had to get back my uh, my health when i moved to canada in montreal and uh, yeah this is why i started to run it's pretty banal but this is the way uh, i did it and my first three years as a runner uh, i only did uh road running uh, i didn't even know that trail running um, sport existed so but yeah already from the beginning i saw running more as um as an experience uh, rather than mainly performance. And this is something that stayed in me uh, uh, forever. Uh, that's why I have I had fun running um, all the most beautiful marathons around uh, Montreal uh, in Eastern North America. So I ran the Montreal Marathon, which was my first uh, race ever and my first marathon, maybe six months after I started running. Then I went to Ottawa, to Toronto, Chicago, uh, Boston, New York City, and it was really cool and uh, in 2016 so three years after i started running i was 29 years years old and a friend of me advised me to try trail running and i was like what is this, this sport running in mountain it's weird so i was like okay i will try it and i really liked the experience and the first one was a 20k it was really hard for me and i sprained my ankle at the first uh, <laughs> uh test but yeah at the end of 2016 i did my first ultra so the same year it was a it was an 80k in Quebec, which is Ultra Trail Arikana. Yep. Uh, and, it just happened. Uh, I think was it last? Yeah, weekend? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Last week. So I've wanted to do the, that race for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's the best in Quebec yeah. if you want to feel the uh, uh, the energy of trail running here. Yeah, I and, was texting uh, yeah. with our mutual friend Nico, and he said that that's where you sort of made your exactly. trail running debut, and that you've sort of been off to the races ever since. All the community there and everybody go for this race. Even if you don't run, you are there to, to enjoy the party. 
Yeah, yeah. And then, yes, uh, I loved the the experience. Um, the experience so much. Uh, this first ultra trail at the end of uh, 2016 that I said to myself, I no longer wanted to race on the road. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I started uh, ultra trail. Actually, I started ultra trail this, the year after, so in 2017. Yeah. Uh, because when I got home um, in winter uh, in Quebec, it's difficult to run. So I started watching all the videos about trail running and I started to read all the books I could find. And uh, yeah, I was. Um, it's remarkable. I mean, from 2017 to where you are today as a two time UTMB podium finisher. Yeah, I worked a lot and I will explain all the story then. But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty fast for sure. It's pretty fast for sure. When I go on the podium at UTMB, when the speakers say, okay, uh, uh, Francois Dan or uh, <laughs> Kylian Jornet, who won UTMB 20 years ago or 15 years ago? I'm like, okay, I just started running five years ago. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, okay, but yeah. yeah, it was fast. And yeah, uh, yeah the, 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 I think that's, um, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, thank you for the, yeah, just thanks for the the introduction and the background. I'm sure people will get a kick out of it. I definitely identify with your description of, maybe paying a little bit too much attention or spending too much time in the bars and not enough time working yeah. on your physical health in your <laughs> mid twenties. And that's part of my story of my entrance to the sport as well. So I feel that we're kindred spirits in that way, but also listening to hear you, hearing you talking about your history with sport. I mean, it's kind of evident that you're a generalist that you have exposure to a lot of different sporting disciplines, both in the water and on land. I know you do some cycling and stuff too. I'm wondering if there's any specific things from your sporting background, which is so diverse and varied that you think has, with some perspective, looking back, contributed to how successful successful you've been as a trail and mountain runner. Hey, it's a good question. I think it's very different, the, the, the extreme sports with running. And you know what? When I started to run, uh, I, wa I wasn't proud of it and I didn't tell anything uh, to my family and my friend because I thought that they will laugh on me. And because I went from this kind of sport with adrenaline and very, you know what, you know what? And uh, it took me maybe one year to tell my families and friends that I was, that, then, that I became a runner. But um, yeah, I think that it's, it's all about uh, the passion of the movement and the, the sports, you know, when I was when I was doing this kind of sport, I was looking to the adrenaline and all the the sensation you can get in and in running and in the endurance sport. I discovered that you can go to look for the emotion, which are more deep and you feel uh, uh, alive and you you meet people and it's, it, and it's all about all this uh, specific specific sensation that you you are looking for this is why i love the running and this is the kind of connection i can i can do with these sports and there is another thing that is very interesting i never did uh, running before because i was like running is stupid there is nothing uh, smart with it and you don't have to use your brain when you run it's just very stupid and i love the scuba diving for example because it's very 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 technical and as maybe as an an engineer and with my brain, I love to use my brain uh, when I practice sports. And with scuba diving, you have to read lots of books. You have to, to learn the theory and everything. And 
And this is what I discovered in running. And this is what I loved when I discovered that running and endurance sports, endurance sports are very technical, actually. Yeah. And you have to, you have to read a lot. You have to learn a lot. And it's very, very, very technical. And the, and the first day I discovered it. And when, when I went uh, to, to buy a book, uh, I saw that the book of running were bigger than the book of scuba diving. And I was like, wow, it's crazy. You have to learn <laughs> yeah. about the nutrition the recovery, sleep, uh, progression, training plan, and everything. And I was like, okay, this is a, this is a new uh, new puzzle, and I will have to work on it if I want to improve my level uh, as fast as possible because I start running very late in my life, and I have to 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 improve my level uh, fast if I want to 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 run um, with the best in the world. So this is how I how everything started. <laughs> That's so interesting. So you brought the engineering problem solving brain to endurance sport now it all makes sense as to how you've ended up where you are yeah. really quick before we move on i'd love to talk more about diving because i think that maybe this is a parallel to your success as a mountain sport endurance sport athlete i'm wondering if there's anything you want to share between the balance between the ocean versus the mountain and like is your time in the water, does that help give you some different energy or different appreciation for your time in the mountains? Yeah, you 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 use the best uh, word for it. It's the balance. Um, the balance, yeah. You know, um, first, um, in the ocean, underwater, there is another world, actually. It's really, it's huge, the size of this world, and there is a a community with the smaller fish to the bigger and everything and it's very interesting to explore it then i discovered that uh, as um, as an instructor that i love the pedagogy and to show people this this environment and the, the people who arrive for the first time in the ocean and are like oh i'm very scared i will be bitten by the sharks and it's dangerous and i will die and blah 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 and i'm like no no come with me and i will show you how beautiful this world is this world and when they get out of the water when they are like, wow, it was beautiful. I just want to continue. And maybe I want to protect this, this ocean because it's so nice. So this is something I love. Um, and you know, when you, when you train as a, as an athlete, it's very hard. It's painful sometimes. Uh, when you run down, it's very, hey, yeah, it's painful. And when you go in, underwater, everything, it's calm. You go there slower, you don't speak, you don't choose the body language and everything is different. You can go in three dimensions, going up, down, left, right. And these uh, sensations are very good for the mental, I think. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when everything is going too hard for me and when I got too much pressure with the races that coming and the partners and everything, I'm like, okay, uh, I'm leaving for one week or maybe one weekend. I, and I will just go to to dive, and it's something that is very good for the mental to do a reset. Actually, it's like yeah. uh, it's like doing meditation, but uh, ten ten times more uh, stronger than the the classical meditation when you stay on the ground and thinking and about your breathing. So yeah, it's uh, it's something that I still using today to to balance my life and to 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 let the stress and everything uh, drop uh, during special time. Yeah. I had Claire Gallagher on the podcast earlier this year, who is recently sort of getting into diving herself. And she echoed a similar sentiment and how calm yeah. 
it is to be underwater. And when you're doing so much impact sport and training and constantly thinking about your performance, that when you go underwater, everything has a calm and sort of quiet yeah. nature to it that helps you to yeah and and when ways. we speak when we speak about performance there is something that i use from scuba diving and apnea and free diving as well is the breathing when you breathe um when you run when you breathe it's uh, it's like you don't actually usually most of the runners don't control it they are like running and don't think about it but for me, as I train as a scuba diver to 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 save my air, and I train as a free diver to 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 keep my air underwater without breathing, I know uh, control uh, almost every time when I train and when I race my breathing, uh, and it's very really? interesting. I think as a performance, yeah. Talk more about that. That's fascinating. So, I, so when you what you're saying is that. What scoop, one of the things that diving has brought into your run training is that you control your breathing a little bit better while you're on the race course or in your training. Can you give an example of that? Like during your intervals or in your long runs, are you consciously checking in on your respiration? Yeah, you know when you um, when you when you get out of breath, it's like um, a bad cycle. You can't control it because you 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 sorry you. Um, you inhale more than you exhale. So it's like a bad cycle and you get out of breath. And uh, you, if you are able to control your, your breathing, like you, you, you exhale, you exhale more than you inhale, uh, you can control it. And for sure, you will bring more oxygen to your body and to your muscle and to your brain. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's easier than for the performance, but it's not easy to do it. It's it's uh, it's easy to to speak about it, but you have to, you actually to, have to, to work on it and to do to some your... special exercises, uh, exercises. And yeah, when you are able to control your breath, it's crazy how how deep you can go in the efforts. Wow, that's so so interesting. It's so, one of my secrets. I can't say everything yeah, okay. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well now I'm gonna go practice on my next run tomorrow. I'm gonna go out there and consciously pay attention to my breathing. And there is there is something else, uh, Dylan. When you train as a free diver uh, and uh, apnea, you you become more efficient on how you use the oxygen with your body. Really? And so when all, you are more efficient with oxygen, divers, it sounds like. Yeah, sure, for sure. <laughs> all At right, least I'm coming up there to some, Montreal. Uh, camp. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's do a camp. We'll put together a Matthew Blanchard free trail diving camp. How does that sound? That yeah. would be amazing. Um, so cool. So I want to obviously start talking about your sort of run training and your career. But I think one of the other things that's fascinating about you is it like i don't know it seems like the last few years have probably been somewhat surreal in the greater context of your life you had the pandemic and then of course your running career is absolutely taken off and simultaneously you sort of became a re reality tv star you were doing kind mm -hmm. of the survivor the equivalent of survivor for i think a french television station talk about that really quick what was that all about yeah, sure. Actually, I think that you 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 just tell it. It was about pandemic and some stuff that happened in my life. But maybe I should have performed before 2021. But yeah, you know, actually, my it 
all 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 started in 2017. I think you 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 spoke about it with my friend Mayan, but it's when uh, Salomon selected me for their academy uh, in Moab in the the US. It was in March 2017, and I felt super lucky to be in this camp. And uh, I gave everything during uh, during this. And at the end, they uh, they um, they took me and Marianne to continue uh, the adventure with Salomon, and this is where everything has started. So. In 2018, I continued to to run just around my place and in local races. I I did good results, but it was not in the international scene. And uh, yeah, in 2019, so only uh, one year after this, in January, I decided to to quit my engineering job to put running in the, in the middle of my life and to 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 give me all the chances to improve my level, but. This is where everything started to to go really bad, and I will tell you the story. So, uh, only one month uh, after I left my uh, my office, uh, I uh, seriously injured myself, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it had never happened to me, and it it was the first time, but it was a, a stress fracture in the sacrum, so it was really bad, and I stayed almost uh, three months uh, in my sofa doing uh, nothing. And I get a little bit depressed because, you know, my family and my friend were like, okay, Matt, uh, because in France, we are a little bit less open-minded than in Canada and in North America. But they were like, <laughs> okay, Matt, if you stop your engineering job, you will become a, v- a vagabond. You will, uh, you will uh, know how, will don't have money. You will don't have money anymore. And it's very secure to be an engineer. You can't stop, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, you will see, I feel it in my in my stomach, in my heart, in my heart, I need to stop. And only one month after I injured myself. So they were like, you see, we told you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I, w- I was really depressed at this time. So yes, uh, during the summer, I started to, to train hard for Diagonal Defou the first time in 2019. And I ran to Reunion Island uh, three weeks before the race. I continued to train hard and to see the trails. And uh, yeah, three days before the race, actually, it was my only chance in 2019 to show that I train hard and I'm good in this sport. But the yeah. TV show you mentioned, that uh, Survivor, which is Colanta in France, called me and tell me, Matt, you have to, to take the plane tomorrow because we go in the Fiji island in the middle of Pacific uh, to, do, to do it. And I, I was like, no, no, it's impossible. I have, I have my race in three days, my yeah. only race in the year, and I get injured. And and uh, blah blah blah, and they were like, no, no, you don't have the choice. You have to, to, to take the plane tomorrow. So I left the the Reunion Island and uh, to to do it. So uh, you know <laughs> the rest of the story. Um, um, I was like, okay, it's good, Matt. You will catch up in 2020, and you know the rest of the story. Global pandemic, yeah. boom, everything that was uh, cancelled, and there I said to myself. No way, Matt. A second year in a row without trail running races internationally. It's impossible. It's impossible. Uh, and when, uh, yeah, I did, uh, when, when I did everything in my life uh, to progress and optimize my potential and put running in the center of my life, it was a very difficult uh, time for me. But I still finally had um, a great year in 2020 because. I um, I carry I carrying out other um, project personal project like adventure and I run I run the the 65 uh, six uh, sorry 650k adventure on the only GR in North America and it 
And after that, it was a kind of FKT. We did a movie that went on the biggest festival, like BEM Festival. Oh, we, yeah. sold, we sold two, more than 20,000 uh, uh, renting on Vimeo, and it was a great success. So it I, was I just special... rented it. I just rented it. I can't wait oh, to perfect. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's in French, but uh, you have the subtitle. But yeah, yeah. yeah, this is something I did. And I think it was a good year for me, actually, because... It was the first year in 2020 that I started to to train differently because when you go to run 650k, you can train than the same that when you train for 100 miles. I mean, I started to bike, I started to swim, and I think I, I improved my level in 2020. And this is why in 2021 at the UTMB, I was uh, I was already uh, ready to to do uh, to do my podium. So yes, finally 2021 arrived, and I told to myself, Matt. Finally, this is the year when you will, uh, will you will be able to show how passionate you are and how hard you worked yeah. this uh, this last year, and that's how I presented myself to the 2021 UTMB, uh, a bit with this still with this imposter syndrome because when I arrived at the starting line. All the elite athletes and the pro athletes were looking at yeah, me like nobody was talking this? about you as yeah. a as a potential. Who is this guy? <laughs> Who yeah. is this guy? So I was a bit uh, stressful, but uh, with a lot of hours of work in my legs, I still, I I was still a bit confident to do um, yeah. a good uh, race. And and then finally, uh, 2022 arrived, and you know uh, the rest of the yeah. story. Well, I want to talk about last year's UTMB briefly, but maybe before we get to that, because. You've just mentioned it that obviously leaving your engineering job and putting running at the center of your life was a bit of a risk. Your friends and family were maybe dissuading you from taking that risk. Now, looking back with some perspective, you probably feel some vindication for that decision. Have you had further conversations with your friends and family to sort of, I don't know, think about that decision and and this new path that it sent you on in your life? Yeah, we discussed a lot about about this decision later on. And, you know, at this time I lived in Canada, in North America, and people are really more open-minded in this kind of uh, specific choices in their job. I, I saw so much people around me in Quebec that went from i don't know a lawyer career and uh, and then they went to uh, to an artist career and it's 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 wealthy here and people encourage you to do it so yeah later on when my family saw me very i think they saw me for the first time a uh, kind of fulfillment in me because you know all my life when i studied engineering and even before I never loved I never loved uh, engineering actually and never loved uh, doing uh, physics and mathematics in my uh, in my studies it was just my uh, my um, my um, the people who give me the orientation who told me Matt you are good in mathematics and physics so you have to go in this engineering job and they never asked me the the question what what is the what what did what do what passion what what is your passion to you what do you like to do what and as the, at this time, if they had asked me this, I was like, okay, I love to be outside. I love to to do sports, and I love to blah blah. blah. And uh, yeah, they they never seen me uh, very happy and uh, with this fulfillment when I was an engineer. And now, after a few years, I'm like smiling every day. I wake I wake up every morning very early to train because I love it. And 
and they, my family now travel with me in the races. They come yeah. every year at UTMB. They they help me with the assistance, and they are they are they are crying with me. I never saw my <laughs> my father and my mother crying in my life. Never, never, never. And now in these races, when uh, we are in the aid station or at the finish line, we all cry all t- together, and the emotion are so strong. And this is. This is why I can tell myself that now they are happy with the cho- the choice I did a few years ago. What a beautiful description. That yeah. is so great. Thanks for that. So yeah, let's talk about last year's UTMB briefly. I don't know if you remember this, but not long after you finished the race, I was also leaving the Majestic Hotel where I was doing the English commentary and we bumped into each other. And I just said, man, congratulations. What an awesome third place performance. And you said, I can't believe it. I was hoping that I would get top 15 or top 20. I would never would have expected to be on the podium. So just reflect on that for a little bit. In what ways did that breakthrough maybe change the way that you viewed yourself in the greater trail running ecosystem? And what ways did it change the way you viewed your own capabilities? Yeah, it was it was really hard for me to assess my level at this time because since 2019 with the injury and then uh, the pandemic uh, I didn't race that much like everybody and but I trained so much that I didn't know how to place myself in the middle of all this runner and in the middle of the time I can target on UTMB and it was very 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 difficult for me but in 2000, uh, th- this year, uh, last year actually, yeah, it was the first time I spent almost the whole year in France in the mountains. And before I used to live mainly in Montreal and it's pretty flat and it was a different training for me because I stayed in, in France because, uh, yes, with the COVID, it was de- very difficult to go back in Canada with the restriction and the 14 days locked in my apartment with the quarantine and everything. So yeah, I knew after spending several months training in the mountain that uh, eventually my legs uh, and I was in a great shape for this race. So I wanted to do it for the first time. I wanted to do it smart with my uh, with my brain and with a special strategy because before I never had a strategy and I went uh, all the way uh, in front uh, without thinking about it. So. This is why uh, the week before the race, I asked the manager of the international settlement team, Greg Volley, for advices. And it was the first time I asked, I asked for advice. And he told me, Matt, uh, don't do you uh, as usual. Don't start strong in the front. And, and you know you know how it is. It goes or it breaks. And it's not very smart, actually. So this time, he, uh, he suggests me to stay behind the elite pack and to control from behind with very precise uh, time at each aid station. And I followed the plan and uh, it led me to the to the best result of my life uh, at this time. But as I told you, when we met uh, after the race, it was unbelievable for me because I had no clue and no time to target. And it was really uh, very blur for me. So very blurry for me. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It was a great result. And I think you were maybe the biggest surprise of the day. Like I said earlier, nobody was really expecting you to contend for a podium position. And now you've got a second podium finish to your name and now you'll never go back to any race without 
people in the media or your fellow competitors respecting and recognizing you as a contender in the field. Speaking about your training, I'm wondering, you know, with your diverse athletic skills and background, diving, running, cycling, I saw on your Instagram and you mentioned earlier that you were doing some kiteboarding too. In what ways do you view your general, um, you know, dynamic ability to approach various sports with like, how do you credit that with the success that you've had as a runner? Like, is there anything that you have learned about just coming into new sports that like makes you a well-rounded athlete across the board? Yeah. I think it's a way to see the sports. Uh, you know, as I said before, I don't look only on the main thing in the middle, which is training for, for running and which is practicing in other sports. I love to, 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 to see all the parameters and all the, the, the cursor you can use to, to improve. And there are so many on which you can work on. And I love that actually. <laughs> I love that. I love to, to read books and to test, to test a lot. And I think that today, um, I have developed specific, spe uh, specific protocols in each uh, main topics. For example, in the nutrition aspect, it's all about how uh, I will get as many calories as possible uh, in me without having gastric issues and without feeling nauseous. So this is the problem I want to solve and I need to, to learn about it and I need to read about it. And not only in running, I learn uh, in, uh, in uh, the space, uh, the space, the, the astronauts and uh, how they eat and how they, they do it with, uh, with the special uh, food because they can cook uh, there as us we can cook when you run and i uh, and i try to to learn in all in other sports and in other uh, yeah area how to do it and for the the training session as well i have developed specific training uh, that that i have never seen in books or that i have never seen with in other athletes and uh, uh, and i developed secret recipes that i keep and i improve and it's mainly around the uh, uh, the management of the intensity uh, on efforts uh, of more than 10 hours. You can, you can be steady as, uh, as the intensity. And what I see usually is to go by feeling, but there is more than feeling. And you can, you can try to find the best intensity for effort that, that are more for 10 hours. Something you, sometimes you have to push, but why you have to push in the uphill or downhill or on the flats and how you push, you know? So this is something I had tried to develop and to, to place myself in different zones to improve and to to adapt to the to the to the race and each race is as is specific intensity you have to work on and now i think i know what i have to do with utmb i, I resolved the problem with uh, utmb and i have specific training as well for the uphill and also for the downhill that i never yeah. seen in the books and uh, in other athletes in uh, I have also particular particular sequences uh, between running and cycling in the same day, you know? So this is very huh. passionate for me. And as I have developed as well a kind of a protocol to maximize my sleep. And uh, yeah, in short, I'm passionate. But you're an engineer. <laughs> <I ex> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're an engineer. Yeah, you're but passionate. it's on me. It's on me. This is what I love. When I was an engineer, I was developing a, a thermal plant. I was developing uh, some... Uh, 
equipment for plane and uh, but now it's on me and it's to optimize my my potential and this is what i love because i can try on me and i will and i see if it works or not and it's and every day i learn new things and every day i feel better than the day before so it's just it's just a race i love to do in my life do you have a coach or do you take all this experimentation on your own no it's on it's on my own i never had a coach but i'm a coach I, I transfer my uh, my knowledge to to some people sometimes. Amazing, and you've now kind of developed your own methodology, your own philosophy, and your own yeah, method yeah. Of training. Yeah, I want to keep experiencing and learning and confirming and keeping this little garden a bit secret. But for sure, one day I will I will share it in a book or sometime when I will be sure about what I'm doing, but I'm not, because I'm not sure if it's good or not. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Okay, let's talk about your season quickly. Your sort of two marquee tune-up races before UTMB were the Madeira Island Ultra back in April and then Lavaredo in June. You finished, I think it was fourth and fifth in those two races. You did a couple other shorter races over in Europe as well. Talk about your racing season and in what way it played into the greater preparation for UTMB. Yeah, for the first time, it was um, a special year for me because usually I was like, okay, I go with, uh, uh, I don't know if you can say that, but with hurt, hurt choices. I mean, I, I received some opportunities to race uh, somewhere on, on, on an island in the world. And I was like, okay, they invite me, so I will go there. But without thinking about uh, something logical in my season to be uh, at my best at UTMB. But this year, uh, last winter, I went to see my manager, Greg Bollet, and I told him, okay, uh, Greg, I want to to put UTMB uh, as my main goal of the year. How I can go there uh, preparing myself the best to be the best this this day? And he told me, okay, this year, Matt, if you want to be... uh, to train well and to have the, the 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 good races before you have to do it's it's all about experience i didn't know that but he proposed me some plan and uh, i follow it so yeah he proposed me first the madeira island to 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 work on very um uh steep up hill and downhill but it was just after my winter in canada yeah. i i think i started running in march because i didn't run that much during winter i many uh, skis and just uh, doing nothing so when i arrived in madeira in april in april in april only one month after i started to to train for sure i was not in my best uh, shape but yeah, I did my best and I was happy with the results without a big training. I just finished yeah. behind uh, uh, Jim Wamsley and uh, Thibaut Garivier. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it was good for me. And then Lavaredo was chosen because Lavaredo is kind of similar with UTMB. I mean, with the, the kind of the, the trails and the steepness of the uphill and downhill. So it was perfect. But I sprayed my ankle, uh, my ankle three weeks before the race. I tore my ligament grade two. So it was pretty bad. Mm. So I went, I went, I went there. I taped my ankle, but again, I was not in my best shape, but I was good with that because it was just for me a preparation for UTMB. So I didn't care about the results and everything, but I still managed to to finish top five. And I was, I was, I was good with this. And then, yeah, I trained a lot in the summer. I spent time in the mountain in altitude in the Alps. And I think it was the best things to prepare UTMB. And I arrived pretty confident to you to the UTMB and it worked it worked I think I arrived in my best shape right. at UTMB 
That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, you know, you had solid performances at Madeira and Lavaredo, but you left your best performance for when it mattered most. I think that's something that's really difficult for professional athletes to get right. Any, with some perspective, is there anything that you think you did really well that made that the case? I know you did a recon lap around Mont Blanc, anything aside from that? Yeah that left you feeling like you were ready to have your best day when it mattered most? Yeah, three things. The first thing, the first, the first things is spending time in the mountain in similar uh, uh, environment than UTMB uh, with the altitude and the trail and everything. The second thing is to, to, to see uh, the, to do the, la- the loop before UTMB, exactly one month before UTMB in four days, it's perfect for visual, visualization, visualization and visualization brings you so much uh, uh, before the race, how you will eat, how you will hit, uh, where you will, uh, get, you will use your pulse and what times it takes from this place to this place and how many calories you have. So there is so many things you can learn with the visualization and you have to do it like doing the loop before. And the third thing, it's pretty fun because I just, I'm just discovering now when I look back, I got sick uh, the first 15 days of July, like really sick. Uh, it was not a COVID, but kind of similar. I spent 15 days uh, in my bed, like very sick, very sick. And I remember telling to my girlfriend, okay, uh, uh, for sure, I will not run UTMB because uh, it's impossible now. I missed all my trainings and I will uh, arrive uh, not ready for UTMB, but I think it's, one of the best things that happened to me because with when I see the training program that I built for myself, I'm not sure, but again, it's something I, I experiment. I think that if I if I have did all my training plan, I uh, I um, so I train a lot uh, early July. Uh, for sure, I arrived at UTMB too tired. So I think it's a good thing that I got I got sick. Uh, the first 15 days of July to to be uh, more with less fatigue at UTMB. And it's a new thing that I learned that bef- maybe two months before a big objective, it's a good thing to stop really to do a big stop, not a, a short taper of three days yeah. between two blocks, but a big stop of one week or 10 days. But a stop that you sh- that you choose and not a stop that is brings by uh, by, yeah. a, by um, a sick uh, sickness, you know. So yeah, this is the third thing I wanted to say. And uh, this is something that I learned and that maybe I will use again uh, in the next season. Yeah. And it probably helped you to recover from Labrador a bit more quickly because it sounds like you probably got sick very soon after that race. There is the physiology. You have to be the best, the physical, the physical aptitude, but there is the fatigue as well. This is the two, the two curve you have to play with. And, uh, it's good to arrive at the best, uh, at your best physically. But if you are very tired, uh, I mean the fatigue, your nerve, your nervous system won't be able to 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 use your best body. You see? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Very, very interesting. So I just had Katie Scheid on the podcast, and I want to ask you the same question that I asked her, and that is that, you know, as you mature as a professional athlete, you'd start to develop an intuition about your performances before they happen. And so I'm curious if you arrived in Chamonix this year, feeling like you were ready to have the best race of your career and one of the best hundred mile performances ever. Like, did you, did you have sort of a subtle 
calm knowing that you were on the precipice of one of the best races of your life? It was kind of similar with uh, last year. Actually, I was confident because uh, I felt good the week before UTMB physically and mentally. And uh, I felt better uh, physically and mentally than last year. So this is why when the, the media uh, asked me, what are your target and your objective? And I was like, last year I did 21 and 15 minutes, 21 hours and 15 minutes, approximately 12 minutes. So this year I will go for 21 hours. And uh, if it's going well, uh, I will uh, try to run under 21. Uh, so this is the best I will try to do. And this is the strategy I, I prepare for it. And I just took some time everywhere on, on, uh, on the way on my, in my strategy. But I never thought that <laughs> this uh, will happen. And you know what? Before the race, again, it's difficult for me to build my confidence because you told about the contender before, but you know what? Before the race, I was not invited by uh, the UTMB for the contender uh, show. You know, they 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 uh, they present the top ten guys, the top ten contenders guys, and the top ten women, and I wasn't invited to it. So I was like, okay, I'm still I'm still nobody in this sport, but it's normal. I'm I'm okay with yeah. that because I'm passionate about sport. I I'm watching on TV the Olympics and. Usually I saw someone that's who arrived, he get the golden medal and then you never see him again. It was, be, it's, it's, it's because he trained too hard, uh, too fast the year and uh, the four year before the Olympics and he destroyed himself physically and mentally and you never see him again. So I think it's normal in sport that you have to confirm. And I'm, and I was okay with that. Okay. They don't invite me as a contender for the top 10, but it's because I have to confirm, and this is the way you have to take if you want to 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 have a long career in sport. And I was um, okay with that, but at the start line, I was like, okay, Matt, this time you have to confirm, and this is uh, this is your job and your target today, and you can't miss it because if next year on another year you have to be invited as a, a contender, <laughs> you have to confirm, and it's normal. So yeah, yeah, this is how I felt on the start line. Well, it's always good to have that extra motivation, not being recognized as a returning podium finisher. They were probably going. And you know, you know another impact. another anecdote, uh, Dylan. You arrived at the front of the start line like last year, you know, because I had the elite uh, bib. But when I arrived, they told me, "Okay, no, no, you can go this way this time because uh, this year, when you have a bib after uh, I think uh, forty, the number, and I was." Uh, don't remember 41 42 43 you have to go uh, from behind and was no. like <laughs> from behind you mean uh, with the with the big crowd and everything they the, and the guy told me no no just there is a a short pass in the middle of the two building where you can go and I was like okay <laughs> another reason i have to confirm i'm like okay i can go in front i can go in front you ended anymore. up on the you ended yeah. up on the front of the start yeah, line yeah because so when i arrived good. on this on the second wave of elites, uh, everybody knows me, uh, the French guy who organized yeah. UTMB, and they told me, okay, Matt, if you want, you can go on the on the, the first line. And I was like, okay, I will go there because I know how UTMB starts, and this is another thing I want to to manage. Uh, it starts very strong, and you can fall down, and you can, uh, you can get injured in the first few meters. So I was like, okay, it's better to go in the front because you can manage your start as you want, and you won't be... Uh, yeah. Uh, you you won't fall uh, down. Yeah. 
And when Marianne Hogan was on the podcast, she relayed a great story about how you insisted that she come to the front yeah. of the line with you. So that's great. We always we always see a man on the front. I was like to Marianne, come with me. We want to see women in the front. Don't be shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to. And I use her. and I use her and I use Marianne to to get the stress down. She's so good for that. In the yeah. most stressful situation, you. If you have a Marianne with you in your life, it will be easier. Vibes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I want to talk more about your guys' friendship because we spoke about you when she was on the podcast. And so I'd love to have you also share some stories about Marianne, if you don't mind, but we'll get to that in a sec. The Free Trail Podcast is brought to you by Gnarly Nutrition. Are you tinkering with your race day nutrition strategy? Are you finding that the nonstop consumption of energy gels and chews leaves you with intense taste fatigue and sugar overdose? Well, I have some advice for you, something I've done for years now. That is, drink your calories. I've tried everything on the market and I am here to tell you that not all drink mixes are created equal. The Gnarly Fuel 2.0 drink mix is by far the best that I've tried for both taste and energy supply. Fuel 2.0 is the bomb, especially the cherry cola flavor. That is my absolute favorite. Has all the carbohydrates, the electrolytes, the amino acids to power you along your trail adventures. Two more things that make it amazing. One, it is NSF certified for sport, so you don't have to worry about unintentionally ingesting any banned substances. And two, they come in both multi-serving bags and single-serving pouches. I typically use the big bag, but in case I use a single-serve stick in a race or a long training run where I need to refill my bottles, the sticks are actually easy to open. It's a miracle. We've all fumbled with drink mix pouches that are impossible to tear open on the run. Is there anything more frustrating? Well, Gnarly somehow solved for that too. So go grab some Fuel 2.0 drink mix at gonarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your purchase. Gonarly.com, use code FREETRAIL15. Let's talk about the race. Obviously, this is what a lot of people are going to want to hear you speak about. I don't know if there's anything from the beginning that you think is interesting to touch on. It seems like maybe you raced in the similar style that Greg Vallee yeah. advised you to do in 2021. I um, think the most interesting starts in Chapur or maybe uh, when I when I get to Kilian. Let's start, let's start in Cormayer because I think this is... I, I don't know, maybe a common theme from your two podium performances. It seemed to me as somebody who's sort of been doing the commentary and just generally observing the race and who likes to kind of analyze the strategies of various athletes that for you both years, the section between Cormayer and the Grand Colferet, you've passed a lot of people and put yourself in great position to ultimately get on the podium. I'm wondering if it's something that you do to manage your race intelligently in the first half, or what do you think has set you up to excel so much leaving Cormier in the middle of the night? Yeah, I think the it's because I managed the race up to Cormier. Uh, I try to control my intensity. I try to control my time and I'm, I agree with myself before the race. I visual, I visualize that when I arrive in the, in Le Houche, all together with the elite athletes, when they start to push in the next uphill, I agree with myself to let them go and to don't see them anymore because this is what I did last year. And, uh, it's difficult for an, uh, for an elite athlete to don't control in front, but 
when you are agree with that and when you have visual, visualized that, it's easier. So this is something that worked very well last year. And this is something I wanted to, to do again this year with more uh, ambitious time, I mean, but this is what I tried to do. And uh, yeah, it's weird because uh, I did the same strategy, try to manage the time up to Comayer and then go uh, with the feeling. But when I arrived in Comayer, uh, actually, I stopped to watch on my splits uh, from Le Chapieu, so from 50K to Courmayeur 80K, so for 30K. And uh, yeah, I arrived in Courmayeur 30 minutes uh, before the time I targeted. So Everybody first, was so much faster. Yeah. It's so crazy. The first, uh, the first uh, reaction I said to myself, uh, okay, first, it's my watch that had a problem, but Alex, my <laughs> assistant, confirmed, uh, confirmed to me that... Uh, I had the 30 minutes ahead of my goal. So the first reaction I had was fear. I said to myself, I went way too fast. I made a big mistake and, and I'm going to crash. But uh, I felt so good uh, at this time uh, that I continued without asking myself too many questions. And uh, yeah, at this time I was fifth uh, yep. in the race. And uh, the next the next section is the the section I loved the most from Berton to Arnovas, this, uh, this, uh, this 10 K, uh, really flat. I, I managed to run really fast each time I'm on this place. And yeah. this is why I caught, I caught up on Tom Evans and, uh, Zach yeah. Miller, but I arrived so fast behind them. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is where I passed third, uh, in the race. And, uh, as in Comayer, when, when I passed third, I said to myself, wow, Matt, uh, you are before 100K mark. It's too early in the race to be in this position because yeah. I don't have this confidence to be in this place uh, at this time. So just, and, and just behind Kilian and Jim, yeah, yeah. Matt, I went too fast and I'm sure <laughs> I'm going to crash. So I told exactly the same that in Comaya. But again, I felt so good that I stopped questioning myself and I continued. Yeah. Well, I was here actually in my studio doing the English commentary when you came through Cormayer and you were the only person who didn't sit down in the Cormayer aid station. And you could sort of sense that your presence was similar to 2021 where you could kind of feel that you were on a special one that day. So moving a little bit further down the course, once you get got over the top of the Grand Colferet, like you mentioned, you had only the greats, Jim Walmsley and Killian Journey ahead of you. <laughs> only, only. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't long until you came up behind Killian Journey, the greatest mountain runner of all time. And it seems like you caught him around La Folie. So bring us into that moment and tell us what was going through your mind. Yeah, I catch up with Kilian super quickly between uh, between La Fouli and Champé. Actually, you know this this uh, section this, which is pretty downhill and flat, and I arrive so fast behind him that uh, I had the feeling that he he stopped actually, and uh, and a few minutes before I catch to him, uh, I learned that he has decided to stop in Champé. So at that moment, I had two choices. I arrived behind him and as the first choice was to overtake him uh, very fast to give him the last, uh, the final uh, uh, knockout, you know, the knockout yeah, blow. Yeah, the knockout punch, yeah. Yeah, exactly, the knockout punch. And the second choice, choice was to stop next to him and chat with him and uh, 
and try to re-motivate him. And uh, this is the second choice I did. Uh, this is wow. this choice I made, yeah, because then many people uh, asked ask me um, if I had to do it again, I, um, would you like to do it again? I, I'm like, for sure, I will do exactly the same again. You know, Kilian, he's a, he's an idol for me. You know, it's it's thanks yeah. to him that I was inspired inspired in in this sport by seeing his movies with the summit of my life. And yeah. the first book I read, it's the book of Kilian. So it was an, a huge chance for me that I, that I had to be able to run alongside with him for 50k uh, and even to fight with him for for the victory so for sure i prefer to finish second in the utmb having experienced this story rather than finish first on my own alone without this story so this is why i did this choice and wow I've, yeah yeah after the discussion we worked together and he, he stayed behind me and i remotivate him yeah. and we worked together to catch on gym and then to fight and it was it was a crazy scenario for me. Can you also bring us into the moment where you guys overtook Jim? I'm sure you could tell that he was suffering, but I'm sure in your head, yeah. you're thinking, okay, it's now a battle between myself, Matthew Blanchard, who just a few years ago was an engineer and a scuba diving instructor battling against the great Spanish icon, Killian. Yeah, Um First, when we get when we get out of Champé Head uh, Station, Kilian uh, decided few minutes before to stop in Champé, and he started with me after Champé. So when he started with me, like I I, I told I I asked him, so Kilian, finally you don't stop, you continue, and he <laughs> said, okay, yeah, I'm good. Uh, you you helped me, and now uh, uh, yeah, I understand that um, actually what happened to Kilian, it was more mentally than physically. Uh, Jim uh, pushed so hard in uh, the Grand Col Ferré uphill and Kilian uh, thought that the problem came from him, from Kilian. It was not physically able to catch on Jim, but the problem was not Kilian. The problem was Jim who who was uh, pushing too hard uh, sometimes. And when he understand it, he was like, okay, now I understand that I'm good. I'm feeling good. And my level... Uh, with how I feel now, I, I could uh, go to the win and uh, I will catch on gym. So after this discussion, we decided to, to work together to catch on gym and we catch him very fast after Champé on the next uphill and he was walking so slow in the uphill and it was it was really hard to show him like that. Yeah. And But he was so slow that I didn't have the same choices with Kilian because Kilian was running when I catch yeah. on him. But Jim was so slow that I was like, okay, I can't help him. I will give you a good word to encourage him, but I can't do anything for him. So yeah, yeah. we passed him and it was very fun because <laughs> then we were together with Kilian and uh, I was like, okay, I will ask to Kilian what we will do now. So I asked him, okay, uh, Kilian, so now we have uh, catch Jim. So what's what we do now? And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he told me, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, this is now, uh, the, the race is beginning. <laughs> and I was like, man, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit late to start the race. It's 140 K yeah. it's crazy, but uh, yeah, this is uh, what we half did. Half marathon, and, a half marathon to the finish. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, 
it it was crazy because the balance between our strengths was perfect. He had the advantage on the climb, and I had the adventure the advantage on the downhill, and yeah. it was the exact balance. It took me four minutes on this uphill after Champé, and I took him four minutes on the next downhill to three. And so yeah, we yeah. were on the perfect balance. And this scenario, it's impossible if you want to, to do it again. It's like uh, it's like impossible. So it was just perfect for a show and for a race. And this is what continue on the, the, the rest of the race. Yeah, man, it's so great to hear you talk about this and just the good-natured sportsmanship that's occurring battling for the podium in the world's most important race, not only between you and Killian, but also between you and Killian and Jim Walmsley as you passed him and a big kudos to Jim who valiantly kept charging forward to secure a great fourth place performance this yeah, year. Yeah, because he was so destroyed at this time. And I, told, I told myself that it will be impossible. He will yeah. reach the finish line, but yeah. he was able to do it. And uh, yeah, kudos for it. Yeah. Fantastic. And he's getting closer and closer to figuring that course out. And, uh, we all have faith that one day he'll knock it out of the park, but fast forwarding to Valor scene. I mean, for me as a fan of the sport and an observer, it's pretty remarkable to see the lead two men coming into the final major aid station together, 140, 150 K into the UTMB. And it seemed like out of Valor scene was where Killian tried to gain the separation and ultimately was able to gain the separation on you to secure his fourth victory at UTMB. Can you also bring us into this moment yeah, sure. through Valor scene and, and the separation yeah. as it occurred? I, as I was really faster than him in the downhill, uh, uh, for sure, everything was going to be decided from the last eight station in Valor scene uh, to the finish line. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I try to optimize a lot the eight station, and I think I have the the best time, the the record uh, cumulative time in the eight station. It's eleven minutes in this UTMB for me. Wow! Yeah, Only, no, I, wow! Cumulative in, eleven minutes. Yeah, in it's, all it's the a 16, 16 minutes for Kilian, and it's twenty five for Jim. So this is something the advantage I try to take in each eight station. But you know, Kilian knows how to use his brain and he's so intelligent and so smart and he knew my uh <laughs> my little game and uh and he saw it from trian and champé and i knew that in valorcine he won't be he won't stop too much and it was very fun because when you arrived when we arrived in valorcine we were looking eye contact we didn't stop and it was like you know a western movie uh, the good, the ugly, and the bad. Like who will be uh, shot the first? <laughs> and we were we were itching together, looking in the eyes, and we maybe we stop thirty seconds, and we we get out from Valorcin. And uh, he knew that he was stronger than me in the climbs, and this is where he had to push. And you know what? I don't think I lost the race in the last real climb. I mean, from the Col de Monte, the the the, the place where you cross the road to Tetovan, the big steep uphill it's not there that i lost the the the, the race um it was before actually i lost the race in the last 4k that separates valorcine to col de monte yeah uh, it's, it's kind of very pretty, gradual yeah, yeah very yeah, gradual pretty, climbing along the river it's pretty fi- pretty flat climb and kilian pushed so hard here after valorcine that i 
that I thought uh, and I told to myself, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's going too fast. He's, he's giving too much and he's going to explode. And if I follow him, I'm going to explode myself and we will, we will both don't finish the race. Yeah. But when I remember this time, I still had enough energy to keep on him. Not at this pace, but for sure I should have given a little bit more because it's crazy how many time he, he, how much time he, he put on me on this section. And it, uh, if, if I remember well, it, he, he, uh, it took me four minutes on 4K. It's like one minute yeah. per K. It's too much because then I took him five minutes on the last downhill on him and it took me I five minutes. I was going to say, yeah, it was like, he had like, I think eight minutes on you at the Flagere and then you finished, I think, four, four and four a half. minutes. So, and yeah. these four minutes are exactly there. So next time I should Four minutes be more, each down yeah, next time I should be more confident, but it's, it's exactly there. I lost the race from Valorcin to, to uh, Col de Monte Road because I wasn't enough confident to follow him. Well, I mean, losing the race is one way to put it, but also Matt, but you yeah, it's, one of I, the never, best. I didn't, I didn't lose anything. Dylan, as I said before, yeah. I'm so happy with the scenario and I will like to do it again to finish second and fighting with Kilian for 50k yeah. I do it again no problem <laughs> so was it surreal for you to arrive at the finish line under 20 hours arriving only four minutes behind Kilian yeah. and maybe uh if there's anything you want to share between the interactions that you and Kilian had at the finish line or afterwards I'm sure the audience would love to hear what your conversations were like Sure. First, let's talk. Let's talk about this uh, sub twenty because <laughs> it's crazy. You know, this was this was clearly not the goal of uh, at the start. The goal was to run twenty one hour. I ran yeah. one hour, almost one hour, and uh, more than one hour than the goal. So yeah, it was crazy. And you know, the UTMB uh, will celebrate its uh, 20 years old anniversary next year, and all the greatest runners on the planet have taken part of this race, and no one has never managed to pass under 20. Even some uh, like Pau tried to do it out of the racing, uh, optimizing uh, all the parameters. But I told to myself that it's impossible to run under 24. So for sure. <laughs> It was not a goal. And um, yeah, only a few meters after uh, I started the last downhill from La Flegere, a guy on the edge uh, on, on my left, I remember on this deep road, told me, Matt, uh, go all out. You will run under 20. And I was like, what is he speaking about? And I was trying to watch my, to look on my watch. And I saw, uh, and I saw, um, uh, uh, I remember well, uh, 19 hours and 20 minutes in the race. So I told to myself, so, okay, I have 40 minutes to go to the finish line. It's too short. It's very far. But at this, at this moment, I said to myself, okay, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to give everything to see if it's possible. And, uh, yeah, when I got down to cross the first, uh, road, uh, I looked at my watch again. And at that at that time, I was around the two, uh, 19 hours and 50 minutes, so less than 10 minutes to reach the finish line. And there, I said to myself, "Okay, it's still super far from the from the end. And if I remember well, you are, you still have to run along the river, then yeah. go uh, on the right, and then enter the city, right, left, right, left, and all the crowds <laughs> and everything. 
so now <laughs> I told myself, okay, Matt, it's your only chance in your life. You must, you must no regret at the finish line that you didn't go fast enough. So I dropped my brain on the ground <laughs> and uh, I gave, I gave uh, my all uh, to sprint to the finish to try to go under 20. But finally, I did 19 yeah. and 45 minutes. Comfortably. So I still had yeah. six minutes to uh, to go slower, but I didn't want to uh, to regret it. And uh, yeah, it was just crazy, but it was not the objective. So this is why I fall in the ground because I was destroyed yeah. with this crazy oh, sprint. Oh my gosh! Yeah. The last, I mean, you could tell. Uh, two, yeah, you could yeah, tell okay. that you were yeah. trying to get out every last possible ounce of energy out of yourself, and ended up with just such an incredible performance. So, what about the interaction with Killian? Yeah. And, <laughs> and afterwards. Yeah, he, he arrived. I was on the ground, like uh, dying, and he arrived above me. And he told me, "Hey, Matt, uh, uh, it was an honor to run with you." And I was like, "Yeah, now you're kidding me. <laughs> it was an honor for me to run with you. You know, uh, I'm just Matt. I'm nothing for you. So it's for me. It was an honor." And then he told me, uh, "You know, uh, this time we did under 20 hours. Even me, I wasn't sure it was possible. And it's, it's it was." It's 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 thanks to you and it's it was the secret actually and it was the key to do it. Pao Capel tried to do it without optimizing the the maybe the weather and the day he do it and the, the agitation and uh, the pacing and people who take the the stuff for him to be more light. But the secret and the key was to run together and to push each other to do it because when you do it, you transcend yourself. And it's impossible to do it mentally alone. When you arrive in Champé or Valorcine or, or Trian, and when uh, your crew told, tell you that you have 30 minutes, one hour in front of the other, you can push uh, that much to, to do it. So it, it was the key. And this, this is the thing we, we, we discussed. And, and then he told me uh, it was one of my best race in my career, in my life. And I told him, Kilian, for me, it was the <laughs> best race of my life. And at the end, uh, the last things I told him, uh, I told him, you know, Kilian, you are one of the biggest in inspiration in my life because I stopped my job for trail running and I, and I did trail running maybe because of you, because I read your book and your movies. And you know what, uh, Kilian, now I'm, I'm writing a book about my story as a normal people who start running at uh, close to 30 years old and become a pro runner. And uh, this is a book I want to launch next year. And I will, and it will be an honor for me if you write the first pages of the book, you know, the, the preface, I don't yeah, know how to say yeah. in English. And uh, do you, would you like to do it for me? And he told me, yes, Matt, I will do it. Oh my gosh. The story yeah. keeps getting better, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's, I think illustrative of everything that we love about the sport that the greatest of all time, Killian is humble enough to communicate to you that it was an honor to race Crazy. with you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for you to be inspired by Killian's example, when you were just finding the sport and then to, be at the level where you were competing with him every step of the way and to put together one of the greatest performances in trail running history. It's a phenomenal story and I can't wait to, wait, wait to read your book. So yeah. going back to the conversation about your friend, Marianne Hogan, I asked her about this on my podcast with her 
to just reflect on the fact that you guys were both able to put together great second place finishes at the world's most important hundred mile race, both sort of coming from Montreal. And it seems like both sort of entering the sport at a similar time and meeting at that Solomon camp that you described earlier, anything you want to say about your friend, Marianne, or the conversations that you've had in the aftermath of UTMB? So first, I just go a little bit before, you know, I first met Marianne at the Salomon Academy in 2019. And since she has become my best uh, friend and my best uh, running partner. And I know for me, <laughs> I know for a long time that, that uh, she has the potential to be clearly the best ultra trail runner in the world. And, uh, and uh, yeah. I'm sure soon she will be able to enter the top 10 or even the top five overall, like Courtney uh, uh, do in some races among the boys and uh, on the most prestigious uh, ultra in the world. But like me, uh, with uh, the 2019 and 2020 years I told you before, I had to be patient between, uh, she had to be patient between her injuries and the pandemic. And for me, it was only two years, but for her, it was four years since two, since she got the first injury. And um, yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, to see uh, to see the rest of, uh, of her stories the next year and everything. Because uh, yeah, I think we will continue to go on the same races because we are a team as well. We can we we help each other. I help her with more this more specific and engineering way i i put in the sports and she's more an artist smiling and and going with the flow and it's a really good balance together to manage the stress and mentally and everything so i think we continue um, to work together and uh, yeah on this start line we <laughs> we were not ready with this uh, with this target but it's very nice because i saw a picture somewhere where we we are like that with yeah, the finger, with two fingers together. Yeah. And it's like we are saying before the race, we really finished too. That yeah, but yeah, it's it's really nice and it's yeah, it's a it's I bet it's the Montreal example, tra- it's an example that's that's running running is is something with a team and yeah. uh, we can work together to to motivate each other. Yeah, I bet the Montreal running community was absolutely out of their minds watching the race. And uh, I'm Mm -hmm. sure it's been fun to celebrate together after the fact. So maybe last question for you here, Matthew, before I let you go, I appreciate you taking so much time. I have, I I would be remiss not to corner you into talking about Western States. Now, of course I'm on the board of the Western States, 100, the only hundred mile race in the world that compares to UTMB in terms of its stature and importance is the Western States 100. You earned a golden ticket to the race at UTMB. I'm wondering how you're thinking about your potential to maybe come race here in the United States of America, because we would love to have you. Yeah, you know what? From the beginning, when I uh, saw all the parameters of all the big races I wanted to do in my life, uh, so it was uh, Western State, Hard Rock, UTMB, and Diagonal de Fou. I went first on UTMB because it was easier. But w- when I see the parameters, my strengths at the beginning in trail running was running fast on the flats, was mm. running fast in the downhill. I'm really, really fast on the downhill. And uh, my capacity to manage the heat is really, really good because I didn't tell you the story, but I grew up uh, in the Caribbean islands. 
in the oh. tropical environment and I feel very good when it's super, super, super hot. So for sure, when I see the parameters of Western states, Western states, this is my race. But, yeah. you know, I want to do a smart season now, uh, thinking about some, um, yeah, uh, a race and I don't want to go many with opportunities and hurt choice, but for sure, I want to run a Western state, but I'm not sure I will run Western state in and UTMB the same year. It will be a combo, maybe Western state plus Diagonal de Fou or Hard Rock plus plus uh, Diagonal de Fou or UTMB alone with other races like Labaredo uh, before. Yep. But uh, yeah, for the next year, I don't know. Maybe it will be the year to to jump from UTMB to try something else and to go back at UTMB in 2024. But for sure, I got my golden ticket to Western States at UTMB. It's an opportunity to go there. And uh, I'm thinking of it. I'm Good. not sure now, but uh, I didn't uh, yet confirm my 2023 calendar. But this is something I want to do. And this is something I consider uh, seriously yeah. because Marianne, Marianne Hogan is going there for sure. Yeah. And as I told before, when we are together, we perform. So, yes. yeah. Well, I don't, yeah. If there's anything I can do to persuade you, I would be more than happy to, because we would absolutely love to have you at Western States. Yeah. And there is something that's happening next year that I will spend uh, two weeks in Kenya uh, in March for a special camp. And then I would like to run a, another road marathon because it's since 2016 I didn't run marathon, yeah. and it's right after um, Kenya the, marath- the Paris marathon. So if mm. I spend uh, my winter on the track in Montreal, then I go in Kenya for two weeks uh, doing huge mileage, uh, running fast on the ground and uh, with altitude and maybe with heat uh, in Africa, and then going to Africa and uh, sorry to Paris. For the marathon and right after Paris, if I go uh, uh, in the US around uh, around the Western State area, training for two months just for it, it could be a good plan. It could be a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, congratulations on another fantastic podium performance at UTMB. Thank you for coming on the podcast to tell the whole story. I'm really looking forward to sharing the conversation. Yeah, thank you, Dylan. And uh, if you, uh, is it possible to ask you a question? Sure. Which races we will run together next year? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, okay. So I'm starting to feel like an athlete again. I'm actually going to do Ultra Pyrenees here in a couple of weeks. And then I'm planning to do the UTMB Thailand race at the end of this year in hopes that I'll punch a ticket to UTMB Mont Blanc next year. I okay. really think that UTMB is you know, a race that I I know I could do better at. I finished seventh in 2017. It feels like the race that got away from me in my career. And I really want to go back and have one more really big crack at UTMB. So that's my goal for next year is to hopefully be on the start line, maybe next to you at UTMB. If not, maybe we'll do diagonal day two afterwards. Yeah. UTMB is a long-term project. I don't know if I will run it uh, next year, but for sure I will be there to run with you or to, to cheers you. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Thank you, Dylan.
Thanks so much to Matthew. What an awesome guy. Hope you all enjoyed the conversation. I linked to Matt's Instagram in the show notes. So go give him a follow. If you don't already, I linked to his Strava account and his website as well. A big thank you to our sponsor, Speedland. Go grab the SLHSV at runspeedland.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Follow these guys on Instagram at runspeedland. Thanks so much to them for all their generous support. Gnarly Nutrition, go gnarly.com. Use code FREETRAIL15 for 15% off your order. I'll be smashing a ton of that Fuel 2.0 drink mix at Ultra Pyreneu this weekend. Free Trail Pro members, jump in the Slack. Let us know what you thought of this episode. What was your favorite insight from Matt? What questions did I miss? What was your favorite part? Come let me know in the Free Trail Slack community. Okay, that's it for this one. Can't wait to race this weekend. Wish me luck. Love you mucho. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.